We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next uh, four hours, I'm going to be your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday right here on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and X-Zone TV. If you'd like to give us a call, our toll-free number is 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. You know, with Halloween right around the corner, there is no way we could uh, do the month of October without inviting my guest to this hour. He's the author of a brand new book entitled New England Ghosts. He's researched 135 stories from that area over the last eight years. And we're going to be talking to David J. Pitkin this hour here in the Exxon. And David, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us. Thank you, Rob. I always enjoy your program. Thank you, sir. Uh, David, this must be a very busy time of the year for you. Well, it is because... uh course the, a lot of folks enjoy having some storytelling so that keeps me busy and uh new england ghost is my eighth book mm-hmm. so i'm very deeply involved in promoting that and uh 
I, I also serve as a magnet for people who have had experiences that we think might be ghostly. And so we try to reason out just what happened and where and when and under what circumstances and uh, what might be the... Uh, what might be the activity that's taking place. Sometimes very, very strange events have a very uh, common, ordinary explanation. But after you've eliminated those, then you have uh, the big question mark, which your program calls X, I guess. That's right. Tell me, uh, David, are, are you finding more and more people are coming out with stories about ghosts that they themselves have had? And, and is it that the people who have had the experiences are now feeling more comfortable by talking about them since there's so much about ghosts in the media? Yes, I think that's correct. Uh, <clears throat> I've heard a lot of people uh, comment that they watch this or that mm -hmm. uh, program and, gee, this is just like my house or this is similar to something I experienced when I was a youngster and I never told anyone about it. And, uh, of course, this is, uh, this is my main, well, I say one of my top three uh, motives for collecting and writing stories, uh, is to share with people how tremendously common these events are. There's so many people. Uh, I will have people uh, encounter me, for example, this weekend. I'm mm -hmm. going to be... Uh, out at Letchworth State Park, south of Rochester, New York, doing a, a sales and signing out there, a big art and craft show. And people will come up to me, I can almost guarantee you, and they'll say, boy, I've got something weird. I bet you've never heard about it before. And they'll proceed to tell me about uh, footsteps on the stairs, mm -hmm. and no one's there. David, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exo Nation, David J. Pitkin is our special guest. The name of his new book is New England Ghosts. His website, www.afterworld.info. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. David Pitkin and I return on the other side of this two-minute commercial break here live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. 
It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. I was working in the lab late one night. My eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash He did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash He did the mash It caught on in a flash He did the mash He did the monster mash For my love notari in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast The ghouls all came from their humble abodes To catch a jolt from my electrode They did the mash They did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash They did the mash It caught on in a flash They did the mash Exonation, uh, David J. Pitkin is our special guest at this hour. David has a brand new book out. It's entitled... New England ghosts and uh, David, uh, you were saying that you you go out, you talk to people, you tell stories. It's a very haunting time of the year. Um, are, are you finding that there seems to be a common thread between the stories that you have heard over the years, the stories that you've researched over the years, and actual ghost sightings? Well, that's uh, profound question. Uh, sightings, in my estimate, are not that common, although the media would have us uh, believe that, yeah. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very hard to, to project a program where someone encounters a ghost and it's all internal. Uh, for example, a house I was living in uh, maybe 10 years ago, uh, I came home. It was a house that had been owned by a doctor for many years. And I came in at night. Everyone had gone to bed. I turned into the front hallway mm-hmm. in the dark. There was no lights on. And I walked into something that vibrated me from head to toe. Shook me just, just like I had grabbed onto an electric wire. Wow. And I thought, well, this could be the ghost that my new wife had told me about. So I took a step forward, and it all stopped. And I thought, well, if that's what it is, I should be able to take a step back and walk into it. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, But I was very, very tired. It was after midnight. So I just said out loud, look, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. I don't know what you're going to do. And I went through and, uh, and uh, went to bed, and no one in the family ever experienced it. Uh, which is hard for many people. If, if it's a one-time experience of hearing, seeing, smelling, feeling touched, 
uh, walking through something, having something walk through you, uh, or even a dream. Uh, people who didn't share that experience with you uh, many times are scoffers. They, uh, they tend to disbelieve. Basically, they don't want to believe uh, that there are things in this world that can only be sensed and uh, maybe not seen. Uh, but there is a, a tremendous interest, as you, we just said, stirred up by the media, a lot of the programs now on television. And uh, so people are interested, and yet when you watch some of the, uh, the television programs, you become aware that, uh, gee, maybe the producers of this program just overdid it a little bit. You know, when you've got mm-hmm. people running around a a supposedly haunted building, and they're always tripping over something. They're always screaming, and did you hear this? Did you see that? So on. Uh, Many people want to know, is this stuff just entertainment, or is it real? Is this what it's like when you go into a haunted house? And uh, so I have to tell people that just about anything that you're going to see on radio, I'm sorry, on television, is... uh, Number one, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. And the people that produce these programs uh, have some motivation other than the unvarnished truth. Uh, I've had a number of uh, producers contact me over the summer when they heard my new book is coming out. And, uh, oh, gee, we want you to, uh, to be on our program. And... Uh, you know, what kind of equipment do you have? Uh, do you have a digital thermometer? Do you have a digital camera? Uh, do you have a night vision scope? Do you have a, uh EMF meter? I said, no, I don't have any of that. I'm an intuitive. And some of these producers know so much, they have to say, well, what's an intuitive? <laughs> I said, well, uh, you know, I, I use my senses. I walk into a place uh, number one, I want to know that something or someone is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I want to know what's their issues that keeps them there because they don't have to be there. Uh, number three, uh, who is it? Why are they there? And what can I help them do so they can get out of here? Uh, because this is a level of existence that they've finished with, and yet they've not finished with it. So they need to move on. And just convincing homeowners sometimes that they need to undergo some type of ceremony, which can be just as simple as telling, you know, whoever you are here, you've died, and you can't stay here any longer. I own this house now. Time to move on. And a lot of people don't even want to do that. <laughs> they like the notoriety of, oh, gee, the ghost kept me up all night, hmm. you know. And, and uh, So... I take the subject much more serious than trying to scare people. Uh, if you read the stories in my various books, uh, I don't try to create fear. Uh, I try to create uh, what, what I would call a head-scratching atmosphere, where people look at, at what happened, what various individuals, maybe including myself, experienced, and, uh, and how do we reconcile it all into something that's meaningful, you know, with uh, 
Because you can do a lot of mm-hmm. cheap thrill scaring of people. That doesn't accomplish anything. No, no. Gets your adrenaline pumping, but that's about it. So I, I tend to be, you know, I'm a retired history teacher, and I want to do the historical research to find out who is it that used to wear the high-necked, maroon, almost certainly Victorian-style dress, uh, who lived in this house and once in a while may be seen on the stairs or in the parlor. And uh, and then if we can figure out probably who it is, then what do we know about their life that would indicate they died in a, a troubled state? Because it's this uh, failure to conclude events in a life that tends to keep uh, a person's spirit uh, earthbound, as we say. So I, I go at it uh, quite seriously. But I don't think people need to be mm-hmm. afraid of ghosts. Uh, so many of them. Uh, just in the last few years, I've come to the conclusion that probably 80 to 85% of the spirits that a person would encounter are people that were known to them. A deceased family member, relative, former husband, boyfriend, girlfriend. And so the idea that you have spirits afoot all all around the world and that they're threatening uh, so many times is just just false. It really misses the the whole point of ghosts. But the media can only make money uh, if people are scared, if people get their thrills and and so on. And so to to take this subject matter to a spiritual uh, level Mm -hmm. and say, well, what you do in life or what you don't do in life can keep you stranded for a while after you get out of this body. So this is the approach I take. Uh, I try to deal uh, honestly and above board with people. Uh, I don't believe that just because someone has told me a, mm-hmm. a story that it's necessarily true. So I, I do a lot of verification. and I thoroughly enjoy this stuff. <laughs> you probably can't tell. Yeah, well, you know what? I was, I was kind of getting that hint, uh, David. I've had the pleasure of talking to you a number of times over the years. And, um, you know, you, you take a very honest, direct approach to your work. You research it. You don't take everything at, uh, at, at face value. And, and, and I'd like to ask you your opinion of, of one of the most infamous uh, stories that always pops up around Halloween, and that's the Amityville Horror. Um, what is your take on that? Was it, was it more than, did, did the paranormal actually play a part of it, or was it because there was a multiple murder and that this, the family, the uh, George Lutzen family moved in? Uh, and there was a money opportunity presented by Defoe's lawyer, uh, you know, who I believe wanted the Lutz family to to uh, concoct this this paranormal event in order to get his his client off. Because apparently Defoe said that you know the devil made him do it, and this opened up the door to the possibility of it being yeah. a paranormal event. And if it was a paranormal event, then you know, it, well. I don't, I don't think there's anyone listening around the world who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Sure. Well, you know, um, the, the crisis was created by a murder. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Any place where a person has died by all means 
especially if the culprits are not known, can keep the deceased individual or individuals around a long, long time. Mm -hmm. People who die suddenly and don't know that they have died can remain around a long, long time, mostly doing what they always did when they're alive and hoping something's going to turn up. But when you have a murder, uh, the tendency is to stay around and try to get justice on the part of the murdered individual. So I don't doubt for a minute that the, uh, that the people who died in mm -hmm. that house may have remained for a while. They may still be there. But here's, here's an interesting uh, part, that I, a point that I found very interesting. Actually, there, there's a couple of them. Um, num uh, the most interesting is that apparently there were photos taken on time-lapse photography, and in one of the photos, there was a young boy about the age of seven that appeared in a doorway to the left of the, the actual doorway that the investigators were concentrating on. And during the mass murder of the Defoe family, there wasn't a young child that was killed. You and I have to take a commercial break. Great talking to you, David. Uh, David J. Pitkin is my special guest at Exxon Nation. He's the author of a brand new book entitled, You Got Your Pencils and Paper Ready? Okay, there it is. New England Ghosts, and his website is www.afterworld.info. That's www.afterworld.info. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network. UK High Definition Radio. Euro High Definition Radio. And Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www www.exxoneradiotv.com
And welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. David J. Pitkin is my special guest of this hour. And uh, we're talking about David's new book, amongst other ghouly subjects. His new book is New England Ghosts. His website is www.afterworld.info. That's afterworld.info. And David, before we went to the break, we uh, we were chatting about the Amityville horror. And, you know, I, I was saying that I believe there's more hype to it than anything else because, uh, you, you know, the even when the the uh, screenwriter for the movie was uh, was asked about his beliefs, he says, hey, I'm in it to make money. And it's that plain and simple. You know, you know, Rob, I don't think anyone has ever made a movie to tell the pure, unvarnished truth of anything. Mm-hmm. That just, I can't think of any. So you know that it has to be entertainment. And what entertains people is not pedestrian, everyday life that yeah, most that's right. people live. There's got to be something in there to shoot the adrenaline up. So you're going to have special effects. Uh, many times it's because the effects of a spirit are purely internal that take place in, in the inner hearing, the inner seeing uh, of a person. And how on earth is a Hollywood producer going to show you uh, an idea lodging in someone's mind or a, a mental image lodging? So... You know, I, I don't have much respect for for Hollywood other than to take us away from some of the present reality in our lives. I don't think you're ever mm-hmm. going to learn anything you didn't know uh, in a movie. So when you're dealing with issues of life and death, people live and people die. That's the certainty. Right. Then you want as much truth as possible with that, I think. Uh, I spent this past week talking with a woman, a good friend of mine, who lost her husband just a year ago. And what has happened or not happened since uh, since Joe died. And uh, these are the things that I, I think people are interested in once you get past the cheap thrill. So uh, now I know Ed and Lorraine Warren. Of course, Ed has, has died. One of the first uh, haunted houses that I ever uh examined, mm-hmm. uh, both Ed and Lorraine were with us back in 1976 in uh, Saratoga Springs, New York, and uh, Ed has since died, but I was talking with Lorraine uh, about a house in uh, uh, in uh, Connecticut that uh, appears in my new book, and uh, it's in uh, uh, Stratford, Connecticut, and so Lorraine, we just touched briefly on Amityville, and she says, yeah, this is, this is real. There's energy there, there's spirits there, and so on. But even Lorraine will tell you that, uh, that Hollywood juiced up the story, that not everything that appeared in the story uh, is truthful. It's a lot of conjecture, as you say, a lot of playing around with the, uh, the evidence photos and so on. Uh, Lorraine is a darling. I can't wait for her new biography to come out. She's working on it now. Uh, But one of the things you mentioned about seeing this little boy in the house, Mm -hmm. and there's no history at that house for a little boy. That's right. Well, 
I don't know anyone who claims to explain the, the spirit world fully. I think we all get some glimpse of it and how things work. But you can have spirits in a building that never lived there, never were involved with the building. Spirits can come in on antiques, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you go to an antique shop and buy, for example, a, a, an old grandfather clock, such as one of my stories. Uh, you bring the clock home and find out that uh, as soon as the clock was brought into the house, uh, all the cupboard doors start opening and closing. There's all kinds of noises and banging and animal sounds. And you remove the clock, everything goes back to absolute normal. So there's some kind of energy on uh, old bases and so on, uh, clocks and teacups and so on. That's one way of bringing them in. Mm-hmm. I think there's others that there are some sites where it is easy for traveling spirits uh, who aren't in any hurry to resolve their dilemma, uh, can come in and lodge. Uh, I have a kind of a humorous story uh, from Penyan, New York, in the Finger Lakes. Uh, a friend of mine named Pat has just a single cat. Now, she's getting on in years and has to worry about falling down. She walks with a cane. But she said every morning when she opens the door, and this is a house that's only five years old, which was not built on an Indian burial ground. They checked that out. But when she opens the bedroom door in the morning, there are seven cats milling around uh, doing the breakfast dance. And she has to push her cane through uh, all the cats until she finds one that the cane won't go through. And uh, that's her cat. And so then she can walk on the other cats and not worry about falling. Well, they've done all kinds of research, and there's just no way they can find anyone who knows how six ghost cats showed up in her brand-new house. And so you can have kind of a a spirit contamination, if you will, of of spirits that just don't originate in the area. All right, no, I don't know know this lady, David, but has anyone else seen these cats, these phantom cats, or is she the only person who has ever seen them? Her husband, this is almost an ideal case, Mm -hmm. because Pat was a lab researcher, and she was not inclined to believe any of this stuff in the first place. Mm -hmm. She's had many, many experiences. But her husband is the the quintessential non-believer. He is an engineer. (laughs) And Bill scoffs and scoffs, and yet he'll look around and and hear, you know, and he'll say to Pat, oh, gee, uh, Seneca, that's their... Seneca just came through. Pat will say, no, she didn't. She's sleeping upstairs. Just saw her. So Bill sees these things, and it confounds him because in all of his years of engineering, he he dealt with hands-on stuff, material things. And so it was part of his education, I guess, to to hear frying pans fly across the kitchen (laughs) and crash on the floor. And... uh, so, yes, he's experiencing it. He's trying to maintain his, uh, 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 whatever, professional uh, credentials, I suppose. Right, yeah. Uh, but that this goes on. On the other hand, as I just alluded a few minutes ago, there are people who all by themselves will have an experience, and that makes it hard if you don't have someone there to back you up, another witness, and it's even 
you, you get to the point where you say, well, I must be deluded. Maybe it really didn't happen. And that's too bad because uh, I'm a great believer in dealing with the truth. Whatever the truth is, let's work with that. Yeah. So it's, uh, but I, I tend to be, uh, as I say, unfreaky in my approach. I want to know the truth because somewhere here, I think there's some real good news about the whole thing of death. Uh, we, we scare each other all the time about death, and yet it's something we're all going to do. Uh, we don't have to take a course on how to die in school. It's something that's going to happen. And the best news is that uh, people that loved us show up. I've had so many people uh, that I loved have come to see me. Uh, okay, I'm a little different. I'm an intuitive. But uh, they'll come and stand by my bed. They'll sit on my bed. They'll talk with me. Uh, I always send them on. I tell them, okay. This, I'm, I'm glad you came, but this is not where you belong. There's something better. Move on, you know, find the white light, move on. Uh, how nice, I think, that loved ones don't stop loving us uh, after they've died. But, but is, uh, you know, I, is, is it that they haven't stopped loving us after they die, David, or is it we have never stopped loving them and what we're actually seeing is a manifestation of our desires through our imagination and part of the brain that we have yet to discover? Well, I'll tell you, that's, that's certainly a, a, a good theory. Mm-hmm. Now, my favorite aunt died uh, seven years ago. And about a year after that, as I would be out doing my research trips, the car would all of a sudden fill up with this delightful spicy smell. And it took me over a year of these occurrences before I finally isolated just what that smell was. It was the smell of a lily that I used to grow in my garden, just a a delightful smell. Okay, there's the clue, garden. Now, who in my family cared about flowers and gardens? Nobody. My wife didn't care, my kids didn't care, but there was one relative, my aunt Hannah, who had died uh, just the previous year, that first instance. She and I used to exchange cuttings and roots and all kinds of stuff. So the next time that smell came, Mm -hmm. and I'm blown, uh, I just said, I love you too, Aunt Hannah. And that quick, the smell was gone. Well, most of the listeners know how long it takes to get a smell out of a car. And if you don't, go drive over a skunk and time it yourself. <laughs> this this disappears instantly. And uh, oh, okay, so, okay, but let me I, ask I'm let working. me ask you this: as a teacher, how do you explain? <laughs> how, how do we explain that the smell dissipates so fast when, in the world of world of reality, it doesn't? Isn't could this well, be a clue okay. that what so, we're actually could this be a clue that what we're actually doing is recalling a memory and the smell isn't in the car at all it's in our mind? All right. Well, let me give you the second part of this story. Okay. It's just just confuse it even more. Thank uh, you. So I'm working on a sequel to one of my novels, mm-hmm. and this required uh, me to go up to North Bay, Ontario, to the Canadian Forces base there. And, uh, and and do some interviewing. And it was, I think, the second week of December, three years ago, I took my friend Bill along, uh, because for us it's about, a, oh, maybe a 14-hour drive from upstate New York up into by the lakes. And uh, so for 40, 14 degrees below zero. 
we're driving along uh, somewhere. Uh, I can't even tell you the name of the town now. And I smelled the smell. And I know this is not a smell of flowers coming. Or there are no flowers blooming outdoors in mm-hmm. Canada on December, second week of December. True. So I was about to remark to my friend Bill, who is also intuitive, uh, but I thought, you know, so maybe this is just wish fulfillment, as they say. Maybe it's just some part of me misses my aunt, mm-hmm. wants this all to be true. So I said, hey, Bill, uh, notice anything different going on? He said, yeah, the car just just filled up with all this flower smell. He said, I've been looking outdoors there. There's no flowers out there. It's all white. And uh, I said, well, that's my Aunt Hannah, I think. She comes on trips with me. She said I was a little bit loony when she was alive. But uh, So Bill said, hey, Aunt Hannah, thanks for coming with us. And that quick the smell went. We both felt it. So there I had a little witness, you see. If it was wish fulfillment, no one could accuse Bill of thinking of my dead aunt mm-hmm. at that particular time and uh, or, or having any, any uh, spirit experience with her. So many times there are groups of people will all have a, a shared experience, and other times I just say it's hard when, when you're the only one. Sure. Uh, to have that. Now, I also want to talk a little bit about dreams. All right, David, we, we've got about a minute left in this segment, so I'm just giving you a heads up. Sure. Well, so, so let's talk a little bit about dreams. Yep. When my father and I were not on good terms when he died, and 12 years later, I'll, I'll simplify it, okay. he showed up in a dream and did two things that he had never done when he was alive. One was to give me a great big hug and the other was to apologize. He said, I'm sorry. And so for the listeners, if you dream of someone you don't like or didn't like when they were alive, whether it's a relative or co-worker or whatever, uh, give it a chance because a lot of these individuals have to feel forgiven uh, before they can move on. And so you should actively engage whatever... Uh, individual you encounter, whether it's in the living room or when you're in bed at night, uh, be loving. Tell them you're forgiven. David, stand Uh, by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exxon Nation, David J. Pitkin is our special guest. He's got a brand new book out, his eighth book, New England Ghosts. His website is www.afterworld.info. That's www.afterworld.info. David and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
Explanation. David J. Pitkin is our special guest. His brand new book, New England Ghosts, is available now. Um, if you'd like to get more information on David, his website is www.afterworld.info. First of all, David, great having you with us. Congratulations on another successful book. I always look forward to having you on the show. But here's something I'd like to ask you. Are, are Ouija boards really a porthole into another dimension? Can it bring over the unwanted? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, on both. Uh, see, most people don't have much clue as to what they are as a total being. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of young people that reject traditional religion ideas about being a soul or whatever. But look at it this way. When someone dies, you can put an EKG or an AEG on the corpse, and there is no energy. The energy that was in that person is gone. Well, where does it go to? Because in science class, we all learned that energy is a form of matter. Matter cannot be created or destroyed. It can change its form, but it still exists. So where does the life energy of a person go? And do the personality and the memories of that deceased person go with the energy? I'm I'm quite sure. I'm 99% sure that's how it works. Well... So what's to become of us when we don't have a body anymore? There, there is a kind of life that goes on. And many of the young who are looking for excitement, they're looking to touch some mystery, something beyond everyday boring existence. And lo and behold, someone's got a Ouija board or spirit board. There's a lot of different gadgets. And so people just sit down and, you know, Try to imagine, Rob, going home tonight mm-hmm. and taking your front door off the hinges and just say, hey, whoever's out there, come on in. That's insane. You wouldn't do that. No, I wouldn't. No. And I'll tell you, there's there's beings in the spirit world. They were SOBs when they were alive. They're still SOBs. Just dying didn't change them. And if they were into violence, if they were into manipulating people, if they were into bullying, that's what they still are. And so when you open up yourself without any preparation, without any uh, Mm -hmm. prayer, or without asking for protection, uh, you just never know what you're going to get over Ouija board. And not only can this energy come in, but uh, especially if you go out on ghost hunts and you're drunk or you're high on drugs, so you don't have to be afraid. You're you're just going to Uh, ask yourself, you're just going to be asking for trouble. David, I hate to do this, but we've run out of time for tonight. I look forward to having you back on the show in the near future. Until then, my friend, take care of yourself, and congratulations on a great book. Exonation, David J. Pitkin has been my guest. www.afterworld.info. I'll be back after the news at the top of the hour. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. ba 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 